All right, so 2 Corinthians chapter uh, number 4, while you're praying for us tonight, had this thought on my heart uh, this morning. Brother Isaac got up and uh, had his devotion this morning, and I thought, man, how fitting that really is, considering some of the scriptures that the Lord uh, has placed on our heart for the hour. So we're going to try to give you uh, what the Lord's give us, get down and get out of the way. All right, appreciate the finance committee getting with us uh, and helping us uh, tonight to get things straightened out for a preparation for business meeting and things of that nature. Didn't mean to get started late, but uh, it's all right. Y'all getting used to that by now, aren't you? <laughs> Run everybody late most of the time. Second Corinthians chapter number four, verse number one says, Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully. But by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. Now, I want to stop right here, verse 3. The Bible does not say, but if the gospel. The Bible says, but if our gospel. The gospel became my gospel when I read and heard the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I appreciate that. The gospel is God's word concerning the doctrines of Jesus Christ. And I appreciate that the gospel became my gospel when I heard it and learned of the doctrines of the Lord Jesus Christ. For there's no other name under heaven, given among men, whereby we must be saved. And so I appreciate the gospel. The Bible says, but if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. So Paul is saying we don't preach ourselves, but we preach the gospel, we preach our gospel, and we preach it for Jesus' sake. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Verse 7, and I like this verse, and going to try to hone in here on this verse, and then the last two verses of this chapter, or the last three verses of this chapter. The Bible says, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. What is this treasure? We're going to look at this tonight. Uh, for just a little while, but the treasure here, the context of the scripture is the gospel, all right? And the gospel, we understand, is God's word concerning the doctrines of Jesus Christ. So the treasure is the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ. Doctrine is that which is taught and learned. It is truth. There is false doctrine, 
but there is doctrine which is truth. And so we understand that God's word concerning the doctrines of Jesus Christ is the gospel. Uh, the treasure here is the truth, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us, as we've read, John 17 and 17 said, Thy word is truth. We learned this morning again that in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. And so I want to say this, we have the Holy Spirit as we learned this morning. If you've been saved by the grace of God, the Holy Spirit dwells in this earthly tabernacle, in this temple, uh, if you will. And so I want to say this, we have this treasure, the truth, the Word of God uh, in our heart. We have this treasure in earthen vessel that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. What did he say? He said, we preach not ourselves but Christ Jesus the Lord. We have been given something. Uh, it became ours. It wasn't just the gospel. It became our gospel and we have this treasure. What is the treasure? The treasure is the gospel, the truth, the doctrines of Jesus Christ. You have it and I have it. We've been given this great, wonderful treasure and it is our treasure to share with others and Paul said here for we preach not ourselves but Christ Jesus the Lord but we go on down verse 8 says we are troubled on every side yet not distressed we are perplexed but not in despair persecuted but not forsaken cast down but not destroyed how how is that possible because of the treasure that's in the earthen vessel. You understand that no matter what comes upon Paul, uh, what happens to Paul, what may befall Paul, uh, it cannot take away the treasure that he possesses in earthen vessel. It's a great day when you and I realize and remember and think about and ponder on the fact that no matter what happens in this life, no matter what may befall us, no matter what bad news we may get, no matter what may cross our path or come our way, we have a treasure in earthen vessel. And I appreciate that today. Now you know that this earthen vessel that we have, this earthly tabernacle, is gonna go back into the dust from whence it came. But because of the gospel, you and I will be raised, friend, uh, incorruptible. We will put on a new body. We will be with the Lord Jesus Christ for all of eternity. And I thank the Lord for that. But the Bible says here, we are, not we are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always, listen now, bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. Now we talk about what it is to die daily. We talk about what it is to, to yield ourselves, our members to that of the will of the Lord. But that isn't altogether what's being referred to here when we're concerned or dealing with this word dying. For if we go to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter number 15 and verse number 31, Paul says, I protest by your rejoicing, which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord, I die daily. If after the manner of men I have fought with beasts at Ephesus, what advantage uh, if it me? If the dead rise not, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Be not deceived, evil communications corrupt good manners. 
Awake to righteousness and sin not, for some have not the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. But some man will say, how are the dead raised up and with what body do they come? Thou fool, that which sowest is not quickened except it die. And that which thou sowest, thou sowest not that body that shall be but bare grain. It may chance wheat of some other grain. But God giveth it a body as it hath pleased him to every seed his own body. All flesh is not the same flesh, but there is one kind of flesh of men, another flesh of beasts, and another of fishes, and another of birds. I want you to understand here Paul's understanding what it is literally to have to suffer things that could take his life. Romans 8 and 36 says, as it is written, uh, for thy sake are we killed all the day long. We are uh, accounted as sheep to the slaughter. What is he referring to here in Romans chapter number 8? It's not to be confused with dying to oneself, but Romans chapter number 8 and verse number 36 says here as it is written for thy sake we are killed all the day long we are counted as sheep for the slaughter nay and all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us for I am persuaded look at the context that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord why because he had a treasure in earthen vessel. And what he's referring to here is that, uh, that he is going to have to suffer some things. There was going to be some things that was going to have, could possibly take his life. He was in danger of death on more than one occasion. And he understood what it was to be in the presence and be facing potential death almost on a daily basis at times. So as we consider that, when we look at 1 Corinthians chapter number 4 uh, and verse number 9, we also find that the Bible says, uh, for I think that God has set forth us the apostles last, as it were appointed to death. For we are made a spectacle unto the world and to the angel and to men. We are fools for Christ's sake, but ye are wise in Christ. We are weak, but ye are strong. Ye are honorable, but we are despised. Even unto this present hour, listen to what Paul says about himself. We both hunger and thirst and are naked and are buffeted and have no certain dwelling place. And labor working with our own hands, being reviled, we bless. Being persecuted, we suffer it. Being defamed, we entreat it. We are made as the filth of the world. Boy, I mean, Paul has just been yanked down to size, if you will. He's expressing how it, what it is to live within his flesh and, to, and to, to live his life. We look at his life and we see the things that he accomplished, but we do not fully understand what he really went through to be all that he was for the glory and for the honor of God. Paul was a man that went through a lot of things. And his day-to-day -day life was such that he said in verse 9, For I think that God has set forth us the apostles last, as it were appointed to death. In other words, he's saying it's going to kill us to serve the Lord. It's surely going to take my life to serve the Lord. Now I want you to notice, Paul was a man that knew it, might, it was going to cost him his life. He was going to have to suffer things for the cause of Christ. Yet somehow, Brother Marvin, it did not deter him from doing what the Lord wanted him to do. Why? Because he understood that he had a treasure in earthen vessel that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. That's why he says in verse 8, we are troubled on every side. He was indeed troubled. He said, yet not distressed. Why? Because it did not take away his treasure that he had in earthen vessel. He said, we are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, 
but not forsaken. He understood that although he was persecuted, uh, he still had the Lord with him. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might uh, be made manifest in our body. Can I say this? Jesus lived that he might die. But we die that he might live. Say, what do you mean? Your dying doesn't make Jesus alive. Oh, but it makes him alive unto others. We die and exemplify the Lord Jesus Christ. Manifest is to be clearly visible to the eye or obvious to the understanding. Now we read 1 Timothy 3 uh, and 16 this morning. The Bible said, without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received up into glory. God gave himself uh, a body. Jesus was God manifest in the flesh. But the Bible teaches us in 1 Timothy 3 and 16 that the Lord Jesus Christ was received up into glory. As we preached this morning, the Holy Ghost of God indwells you and I as born again believers who have accepted the Lord Jesus Christ. And now that the Holy Spirit dwells on the inside, only the Holy Spirit could take a man like Paul who lived in the flesh and allow his flesh to be treated the way it was treated yet still go on for the glory and for the honor of God. Paul could not have done it lest he had to speak of God dwelling on the inside. So let me say this, the spirit uh, has a body. The spirit, we're not our own. The Bible taught, we learned this morning that we were bought with a price. We belong to him. And so Jesus has ascended to the Father, but the Holy Spirit has come and indwelled you and I as born again believers, and he is saying that I want your body. I want to use your body. I want the Lord, I want God to be manifest in your body. Notice that with me, if you will. Manifest is clearly visible to the eye or obvious to the understanding. See, well, you say, I've never seen the Lord. I've never seen Christ. I've never seen God. Friend, if you've seen somebody like Paul, you've seen the Lord. Well, you've seen Paul, but you've seen the Lord. You've seen that Paul was yielded to that of the Lord. And how do we exemplify and portray that of Christ? By yielding our body. And the Bible says here, for we, verse number 11, for we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake. He's saying that I'm going through what I'm going through, Brother Marvin, for the sake of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus lived that he might die, and Paul's saying, I die that Christ May be, that he may live, that he may, folk may see him. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life, listen, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. What he's saying here is says Jesus has ascended to the Father, but the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, now dwells and abides on the inside so that Jesus can still be manifest. God, Jesus was God manifest in the flesh. But the body of Jesus ascended back to the Father. 
But we're still making Jesus manifest today the same as God made Jesus manifest some 2,000 years ago by the way that we live our life, by yielding ourselves to the Spirit of God. And so, having said that, the Bible says, so then death worketh in us, but life in you. Jesus came with the marvel that we may have life and have it more abundantly. And now Jesus is being manifest in our flesh that others may have life. Jesus is still wanting to be manifest today, that he's still wanting to be seen today. He's still wanting to be exemplified today. But instead of God giving himself a body in the person of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit has been given and dwell us of the temple, if you will, to exemplify the things of the Lord. And as we learned this morning, he cleans up the temple, he purifies the temple, that those can be healed the, the deaf can hear, the blind can see, the lame can walk. I mean, he is wanting to use us so that people can have Jesus Christ in their life. And so the Bible says here, so then death worketh in us, but life in you. Paul understood that he was giving himself a sacrifice. So we, we talk, talk about giving ourselves a sacrifice, but we rarely think of it on these terms. So the Bible says we having the same spirit of faith According as it is written, I believed and therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak. Listen now, knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus. How did Jesus come up out of that tomb? By the power of God. So knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise us, or excuse me, shall raise up us also by Jesus and shall present us with you. What what he's saying here, he says, I'm not, I'm, 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 I am troubled on every side, I'm not distressed. I'm perplexed, but not in despair. I'm persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Why? How do we know that? Because the same power that brought Jesus up out of that tomb, Paul's saying that I know that should I die, should I die a martyr's death, I'm still gonna be raised to be with the Lord Jesus Christ just as Jesus come up out of that tomb. If I have to die like Jesus, I can live like Jesus because the, the gospel became my gospel. And what are we trying to do? We are wanting to share that gospel so that others can say the same things. Unfortunately, I want to submit to you tonight that uh, it doesn't take a whole lot in our flesh to derail us. And it's actually quite embarrassing if you want to know the truth about it. If we were to share with one another or could, could share our thoughts with one another and praise the Lord, we don't have that ability, amen. But if we could share our thoughts with one another and you could see your brother and sister and your brother or sister could see you and all that it takes to get us derailed, it would be quite an embarrassing thing. So the Bible says here, for all things are for your sakes that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. Do you know what redound means? Redound means to be sent, to contribute, or to result. And so Paul's saying, for all things are for your sakes that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many be sent or contribute or result to the glory of God. He said, for which cause we faint not. He said, I don't faint, I pursue. I endure as a good soldier I fight because I want glory to go to God. 
for which cause we faint not, but though our, listen, our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. When he said what he said about dying daily in 1 Corinthians 15, 31, he meant that the things that was happening unto him was causing his life to be shortened. He was killing himself in the ministry by giving himself the way that it was. And he was suffering things, Brother Shane. I mean, you take the beatings this man took and see if it don't hurt your physical body. I mean, we can fall down the steps and we're stove up for a month. I mean, this man was, was stoned and beaten to the point that he didn't know if he was alive or if he was dead. I'd say it took a physical toll upon his body. Talked about the things that he did without, not having really nowhere to call home, Brother Shane. He had nothing, but yet he possessed everything. But it, take, it took a toll on his body. What he essentially was saying is, I'm pressing towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I'm giving it my all. If I burn out, I'm going to burn out for the glory and for the honor of God. I'm going to, I'm going to let my flame flicker till my flame goes out. Till the candle burns down to the end of the wick, I'm going to give it all I've got. And so that's what he does. And he said, for which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. How is that possible? Because it is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed, because his compassions fail not. But they're what? They're new every morning. The Bible says, great is thy faithfulness. And so Paul understood that the Lord never forsook him. The Lord was his strength. The Lord was his stay. Then he has this to say. For our light affliction. How in the world can you take the things that happened to Paul and take that word light and, and put it in parallel with the things that he suffered? Because he was able to understand the magnitude of what it was going to be <laughs> to be with the Lord in all of his glory. He said, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding, listen, an eternal weight. Now, do you know what it is to be uh, troubled on every side? Do you know what it is to be perplexed? Do you know what it is to be persecuted? Uh, do you know what it is to have to endure all those things? It's a heaviness, Brother Marvin. Do you ever feel like you get overwhelmed in the life in which you live? Do you ever feel like that life is just so overwhelming heavy that you will surely fall and be crushed under the load? I mean, it is almost debilitating. Sometimes I allow the stress of my life and the things that's going on in my life to debilitate my ability to function in everyday life. It gets so overwhelming that I sometimes I just sit down and put my head in my hands and I don't know whether to turn left, turn right, go forward, go back. I mean, it's coming at every angle. You don't know what to do. Feels like you're going to be crushed under the load. And then Paul, when I look, when I look at Paul, I feel real stupid when I look at Paul, I feel like a whiner. And then I look at what Paul has to say, and he says, for our light affliction. If Paul wasn't such a good person, I'd like to smack him. Because of all that he goes through, he says, it's but our light affliction. How can he have that attitude? Because he says, which is but for a moment. In other words, he understands this life is but a vapor. It's here a little while, and it fadeth away. It's gone. 
The grass withereth, the flower fadeth. I mean, it's just, it's just a short little span. He said, which is but for a moment working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. He said, whatever heaviness that I have on my physical body for enduring what I'm enduring, it is light in comparison to the weight of the glory. So when I start translating and start converting, if you will, using this biblical conversion chart for what affliction that I suffer for the ministry for the cause of Christ to be converted into what it is to have the glory that I will, I will be involved in and have a, a part of, it, 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 it don't balance out. The weight, if you will, is far more, uh, working for us a far more exceeding eternal weight of glory. The, ba- the balance goes like this, Brother Shane. The light affliction uh, the, the light affliction is it's, it's nothing. The, the weight, the exceeding weight of the glory of God is, is, is here in comparison to the light affliction that we have. But well, when I look at his light affliction, I, I feel like I need to redefine what light affliction is in my life. Sometimes I look at the affliction and I tell my wife, I mean, this is just, it's more than I can handle. It's more than I can bear sometimes. This situation is at work or this situation is this or this situation is that. And you see the stress building in your life or you see the stress in your family's life and you start to look at it and you figure it and then you go back to the Bible and look, you know, it's but a lot of affliction. But a lot of affliction. For our lot of affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, now here's, here, here's the recipe right here. What do we do sometimes, Brother Shane, when we start feeling the weight of the ministry or the weight of the world or the weight of our obligations? When we feel the weight, we begin to focus our attention on that weight. And I don't know why, and maybe it's my personality as a human, but I have got a very, very, very bad problem as an individual focusing sometimes on that weight. So much so that unfortunately, Brother Shane, I'm reminded at times that I allow it to rob me of the joy of living in the here and now for the glory and for the honor of God. Sometimes our obligations, our responsibilities, the things that we must do or needed to do. Listen, Paul had a cause. It was necessary for Paul to do what he'd done. It was in God's will for Paul to do what Paul was doing. And it was heavy. How do we know? Because he expressed it and explained it. It was only light in comparison to the glory. It wasn't light in comparison to our flesh. Your body can't handle that glory. That's why you get a glorified body. Brother Marvin, if our bodies, (laughs) if our bodies that we have today experience the glory that we'll experience one day, our bodies would fly apart. I can't imagine uh, worshiping and praising the Lord for an eternity with no rest or, or sleep or time out or pause. But we're going to have a body one day that can do that. Paul's looking at it and he's, 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 seeing what he, he's seeing something in relation to something else that you and I cannot fathom today. So he says, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. I wish tonight, here's my message, here's my heart to you tonight. We need to quit looking at the things which are seen 
and start focusing our attention on the things which are not seen. We'd focus our attention on things that's not seen. I believe it would help us go a little farther. I believe it would help us to do a little more. Not only that, but I believe it would help us with our attitude while we've done it. And not only that, but I believe it would allow us to capture again the joy that we are forfeiting by focusing all our attention on the problems of this life. And we're so caught up in the here and now that we're existing today, but we are not living. We're not living for the Lord. We're existing for the Lord. God didn't ask us to exist. He said, I came that you may have life and have it more abundantly. So if he come that we might have life and have it more abundantly, how come we're not having an abundant life today? Because we're allowing the devil to rob us of our joy by focusing our attention on our problems all the time instead of the blessings of God that God has given you and God has given me. Blessings cannot help but be reminded as we preach this way about Paul and Silas in Acts 16 when they were in that Philippian jail. And the Bible said at midnight, the middle of the night when most people are asleep, we understand here that these men had been beaten. We said, verse 22, the multitude rose up together against them and the magistrate ran off their clothes and commanded to beat them. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely who having received such a charge thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in stocks. But at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God and the prisoners heard them. Now I want, I want, you, to, I want you to notice something here. This was a commitment, Brother Marvin. This was a choice. This was not a feeling. Now we're not saved by feelings, Right? You know what else? We don't operate for Jesus by feeling. Unfortunately, a lot of times we do or don't do something based on how we feel. Now, you don't sacrifice when you give when you feel like it. You sacrifice when you give when you don't. And so understand this. Jesus wasn't in the Garden of Gethsemane uh, going, I can't wait to climb on Calvary's cross. Jesus was in there saying, Lord, if... <laughs> Let this cup pass from me. But not my will be done but thine. The flesh says I don't want to. But the affliction, based in regards to the eternal weight of glory, Jesus went to the cross of Calvary. And we understand that because the Bible says, who for the joy endured the cross despising the shame. You were the joy and I was the joy. So Jesus is weighing this out pleasing the Father, doing the will of God, uh, saving a lost and dying world that's on their way to hell and, and looking at what that was going to be like. I believe Jesus was hanging on the cross and was looking forward, Brother Shane, to the marriage supper of the Lamb, knowing what it would be to be a spouse to his bride and to be able to consummate the marriage and have something for all of eternity. So having said that, we... Look here, the Bible says, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal. But the things which are not seen are eternal. So the things that we're focusing all of our attention on are temporal, and it's costing us eternal things. The, the devil, you understand the devil's time is temporary, right? 
And Satan is trying to take his time that is temporary and do all that he can with it because he understands that there is an eternity in the future. You and I, I fail, fail to realize our eternity in the future, the eternities of others in the future, and so we allow our temporal situations, our temporary, to affect our eternal. And our temporary is affecting other people's eternal because it's not just the gospel, but it's our gospel, and it should be their gospel. I'm glad that the gospel became my gospel. But we don't just need to have the gospel become our gospel. We need to take part in allowing Jesus to be manifest in our body. The spirit of God to be manifest in our life. You and I are portraying that of Christ. His body left but the spirit of God now dwells in our body. And God's expecting you and I to exemplify Jesus Christ. And by doing that, we understand we need to be looking at the things which are eternal. Now I consider Paul and I consider Silas. The Bible says at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God. They made a choice. They made a decision. Can I say to you, you need to make a choice. And you need to make a decision. Brother Marvin, if you wait until you're faced with the decision to be made at that time, you won't make the right decision. But if you commit now and you sell out now and you say, this is how I'm going to live my life. And you make it a commitment. How many would say, no, no show of hands tonight, how many would you say that you have relationships in this world that are still where they're at today only because of a commitment? If you'd have ran on feelings, the relationship may be gone, but because you ran on commitment, the relationships are still present. What are you saying? I'm saying a commitment has to be made. Paul and Silas committed themselves. They said at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. I cannot imagine that they felt a whole lot like praising and worshiping and praying. Now you understand that praise is something that can be done through prayer. Now I want you to notice, if you will, go with me to Psalms 145 for just a moment. The Bible says in Psalms 145, I will extol thee my God, O King. And I will bless thy name forever and ever. Every day I will bless thee and I will praise thy name forever and ever. Now David is saying in this psalm of praise that Every day he will bless the Lord. Can I say to you, the Bible says, boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. David is saying, I don't have to wait, Brother Marvin, to see what's on tomorrow to determine that God is worthy of my praise every day. And so he says here, I will extol thee, my God, O King, and I will bless thy name forever and ever. Every day will I bless thee, and I will praise thy name forever and ever. Read verse 3, 
The Bible said, Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. And his greatness is unsearchable. God was worthy of Paul and Silas's praise regardless of the stocks, regardless of the beating that they had, ta- they had taken. It did not change the fact that, that, that the Lord was worthy. Now we look at the life of Job and all that Job went through and the Bible said that he feared God and he eschewed evil. The Bible said he was upright, a perfect man, not perfect in the sense of perfection, but he was a righteous man who loved God and gave himself towards the Lord. His heart was perfect towards the Lord. His motivation, if you will, was perfected towards the Lord. Not his flesh, but his heart. He gave himself to the Lord. And Satan would not even consider Job because Job had a hedge of protection about him. But God said, have you considered my servant Job? And can I say to you what I find sometimes is is we allow our circumstances to get us to the place where we can't praise or we can't worship or we can't sing unto God. But I want you to understand something. Sometimes, friend, uh, it's the devil trying to rob us of our joy. How does Satan rob you of your joy? He does it through sin, number one. We've already learned this morning that that someone who's saved by the grace of God, who has the Holy Spirit dwelling in their temple, if you will. Your body is the temple of the Lord, the Bible said. That the Lord will clean your temple, purify your temple. He will plant a whip or a scourge and scourge you in your temple. Why? So that he can use you. But to know that you're saved by the grace of God is to understand that if you are saved by the grace of God and you do rebel against God, that God will make your life a misery while he's pulling on one arm and Satan's pulling on the other. Sin makes you miserable. Sin will rob you of your joy. But understand this, sometimes Satan robs us of our joy because of oppression. Now Satan cannot possess you if you're saved by the grace of God. Why? Because the Holy Spirit already dwells in the tabernacle, in the temple. And Jesus is not going to dwell with Satan. The Spirit of God is not going to dwell with Satan. And so here's what I I want you to see. Satan cannot possess you, so the next best thing is to oppress you. Now we know that nothing can happen unless God allows it to be so. And so he allowed Job to be tried. Job brought glory and honor to that of the Lord. Now the Lord did not forget Job because the Lord restored unto Job far more than Job ever had taken from him. But understand something. Job made a commitment long before the restoration came. Paul and Silas made a commitment whether they stayed bound or locked in stocks, whether they got beat the next day or not, whether they had to stay in that cold, dark, wet, damp cell, that God was still worthy of praise. And I'm afraid that we're robbing God. See, we are robbing ourselves. of We're allowing Satan to rob us of our joy, but we're robbing God of his. We are robbing God of the joy of having our praise on our lips towards him because he is great no matter our circumstances. And so David said, Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised and his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall praise thy works. Listen, 
to another and shall declare thy mighty acts. You know what scares me? This really, this really hurt me. As much as I try to live a holy life, as much as I try to raise my children godly, I fear that sometimes I cause them to be bitter towards the ministry. They don't say anything negative about it. They never say anything bad about church or God. But sometimes because I focus all my attention on what is wrong, instead of all, Brother Marvin, that is right, that I'm robbing not only myself of the joy, but I'm robbing my own children of the joy of serving God in the ministry. Friend, I don't want to rob you. I don't want to rob my children. I don't want you to rob yourself or rob your children or your friends or your family or loved ones of what it is to have the joy of salvation. And what happens is we allow the oppression to come in our lives and we get so focused on the oppression that we do not focus on the goodness. And David is saying regardless of the day or what the day may bring, he is greatly, greatly to be praised. I'm going to say this to you. The circumstances did not determine the praise or the worship, but praise and worship on the lips of Paul and Silas when they, when they realized that the Lord had showed up, the Lord done something magnificent in their life. I want to say this. It could just be that we're not seeing the Lord do for us some of the things that we want him to do because we're having to wait on him to do it before we can give him the praise that he deserves. He does not have to do one more thing for you, Shane Bullock or Marvin Titlow. He does not have to do one more thing for you tonight in this church for him to be worthy of our praise. Boy, I had to eat that. I had to pray and tell God I was sorry because I personally sometimes do not give him the praise and the glory and the honor that he deserves because I'm waiting on him to do for me what I'm asking him to do. And he's worthy of it whether he ever done anything for me ever again. If he never done nothing for me ever again, I have this treasure in earthen vessel and the treasure that I have in earthen vessels should be enough for me to praise him and magnify him because you would never hang on Calvary like he did. And I would never hang on Calvary like he did, but he did it anyway. And sometimes in our own arrogance, we, we get so caught up. And I don't, I don't believe we mean to, but I believe that we focus on the oppression. And when you focus on oppression, then comes suppression. And you have oppression and then you suppress the Lord from having what he rightfully deserves. He don't have to do nothing else for us to deserve it. But in our minds, because God hasn't done this or God hasn't done that, we don't praise or worship. Paul and Silas teaches us a lesson here that the Lord's worthy to be praised and to a song to be sung to magnify his name. It's a commitment. There's a day in the future you're going to come dragging in here on a Wednesday night. You're going to have worked all day. You're, you're really not going to be here in heart. You're just here because it's an obligation. And we're going to open up a songbook and we're going to sing. And if you're not careful, you're going to suppress the Lord. You know why? Because you're focused on yourself and you're focused on what's going on in your life. And you're not focused on the greatness and the goodness of God that he deserves for who he is and for what he's already done. Our praise and worship most of the time is hindered because we're expecting him to do more. He's been sitting in heaven waiting on us to do more for a long time. 
And the fact that he even considers us or would even hear our prayer is, is, is mind-blowing to me. It says, one generation shall praise thy works to another and shall declare thy mighty actions. Do you, do you know, honestly, Brother Marvin, what, what, what children need to see today? I'm going to tell you what Bryson and what Paisley and what Lydia and what Olivia and any other young, any other young, Brent's youngins, all of them. Five, they need to see us give glory and honor to a God that deserves the glory and the honor. Instead of always showing them the oppressive side of life, we ought to show them that we're committed to worshiping and serving a Lord that is greatly to be praised whether we have a good day or whether we have a bad day. Because whether we have a good day or a bad day, it's just a few days until it's over and then we have an eternal day. And I'm, I'm as guilty, I'm as, as guilty as anybody in this church tonight for not giving him the worship and praise that he deserves. So I will speak of the glorious honor of thy majesty and of thy wondrous works. And men shall speak of the might of thy terrible acts and I will declare thy greatness. They shall abundantly utter the memory of thy great goodness and shall sing of thy righteousness. You know, I began to think about how I come to the place in my life where I trusted that God was real. And simply put, it was from listening to my grandma and grandpa sit at the dinner table and talk about the things that God had done. See, see, they had former days, Brother Marvin, that I did not have. They seen God do things in their life I had not actually witnessed. Young Christian, young born-again believer, I hadn't had a lot of life to live. But listen to stories and listen to him cry and weep at the dinner table while he would talk about things that God had brought him through. All he was doing, Brother Shane, was praising God for what God had done, but he was doing it in my hearing. And I trusted my papa. I knew that he was not a liar. I knew that he would tell the truth. And I knew that I could believe in what he was saying because he was a man of integrity. You know what he was doing, Brother Shane? He was allowing that treasure that he had in earthen vessel to come forth and manifest Jesus Christ to me when I did not even know it. And I find that a lot of times what I do is I show my family or I show those that are around me the bad side of things when it's really small in comparison to the greatness and the blessings that God has given you and given me. The Bible says in verse 7, They shall abundantly utter the memory of thy great goodness and shall sing of thy righteousness. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and of great mercy. The Lord is good to all and his tender mercies are over all his works. All thy works shall praise thee, O Lord, and thy saints shall bless thee. They shall speak of the glory of thy kingdom and talk of thy power to make known to the sons of men his mighty acts and the glorious majesty of his kingdom. Thy kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and thy dominion endureth throughout all generations. The Lord upholdeth all that fall and raiseth up all those that bow down. The eyes of all wait upon thee and thou givest them their meat in due season. 
Thou openest thy hand and satisfiest the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and holy in all his works. The Lord is nigh unto all them that call upon him, to all that call upon him in truth. He will fulfill the desire of them that fear him. He also will hear their cry and will save them. The Lord preserveth all them that love him, but all the wicked will he destroy. My mouth. Now he's talking about the Lord, the Lord, the Lord, the Lord, the Lord. Then he says, my mouth shall speak the praise of the Lord and let all flesh bless his holy name forever and ever. You know what we need to do tonight? We need to say that my mouth shall speak the praise of the Lord. Listen, I think privately we praise the Lord. But we also ought to let the redeemed of the Lord say so in the hearing of others. Because the Bible says one generation shall praise thy works to another. What's that mean? Brother Marvin, that's more than just me telling God how good he is. But that's me telling you how good he is. That's me sharing with Sister Barbara the good things that God has done in my life. I never really realized and understood the magnitude of, of the effect that just a few people in my life that give God the praise that he deserved and credited him with every good thing that happened in their life done for me in the ministry, in my personal life, in my family, and then I find sometimes I don't even get close to doing those very same things. Listen, my, 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 old, my old granddaddy's going to be with the Lord. He never preached a message. Never really done anything by the world standards to be spectacular. Just a country boy that loved God and was willing to always tell you how good God had been to him. Everybody in this building tonight can say that God has truly been far better to you then on your, on your worst day, God's been better to you, friend, than anybody else ever could. And I, 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 I find so often how we penny party and whine and neglect to give God. Listen, your problems are real tonight. I'm not taking away from that. Man born of a woman is a few days and full. The Bible said full, full of trouble. David was a man that had trouble. But he said that he would serve and worship and praise the Lord every day. Because it did not matter what the day held. God was still worthy of the praise. The Bible said in Psalms 33 and 1, Rejoice in the Lord, O ye righteous. For praise is comely for the upright. Now let me give you the definition of comely. Comely is decent, suitable, proper. Becoming, suited to time, place, circumstances, or persons. Can I say to you, it's always right. It's always in order. It's always comely to praise and magnify God. Do you know if the world has to stop on its head for you and if you have to hold up the entire world to praise God? God is worthy for the world to be held up to praise him. If everyone in the sound of my voice 
tonight had to say something good about God and it took us till midnight to get out of here. We ought to do it. Because God is worthy of it. For he's given us far more than we could ever repay. Ever repay. Paul simply saying here in these verses of scripture for our light affliction which is but for a moment. I texted Brother Marvin on the phone the other day and was just telling him, I said, I've had the worst morning I've ever had it, or I've had it in a long time. I mean, I mean a bad morning. To the point that I actually rarely am acutely aware of it, was acutely aware of it that I was, I felt oppressed. The things and the, the, the amount of things that went wrong were almost to the point where it, 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 it just wasn't circumstantial. I honestly felt like, if I was being honest with you, that the Lord said to the devil, here you go, here's the reins, and run him in the ground for this morning. And it got to the point where I started out frustrated. But then I remembered Paul and Silas and I stopped. And I looked towards heaven and I said, Lord, I love you. I thank you for your goodness. And I just began to speak about the blessings that God had given me in my life. And do you know I realized that the longer I went and the more that I praised him and thought about him that I really wasn't all as oppressed as I thought I was. What happened was is I'd taken my eyes off of what my blessings were and placed them on one little bit of circumstantial problems in my life and knew at that moment that Satan was robbing me of my joy. Listen to me tonight. Your joy is in jeopardy. Jesus came that you may have life, have it more abundantly. He come that you could have joy. And if you're not careful tonight, you're going to allow him to rob you of your joy. Let me read to you what 1 John says in uh, uh, chapter number 1. The Bible said, chapter number 1, verse 1, that which was from the beginning which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled of the word of life. For the life was manifested and we have seen it. And bear witness and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. And then he says this, that which we have seen and heard. We're talking about having walked and talked and listened to Jesus, God in the flesh. He says, that which we have seen and heard declare we unto you that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son Jesus Christ. Listen to this verse. And these things write we unto you that your joy may be full. Do you know how to have full joy? It's not getting rid of all your problems for you can never do that. Here's what's amazing. We allow our problems to steal our joy. But we'll never get rid of our problems because this world is full of problems. Man is born of a woman is a few days and full of trouble. What happens is, is walking and talking with Jesus made such an impact in a life. And Paul having lived his life and, and, and don't, don't know whether he's seen Jesus in the flesh or in the spirit having died, he doesn't know. But it changed him. 
And what's happening is, as Paul said, brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. He said, I've not arrived, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth into those things which are before, I press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. He had his mind made up. He had his eye on the prize and he was committed to worshiping and praising and magnifying and serving the Lord regardless of the circumstances. So the next time that you feel oppressed and feel like uh, that you can't worship and praise, let me, let me go ahead and tell you, just stop what you're doing. Take some time out and make the commitment. Say, Lord, I just want to thank you. I just want to tell you how good that you are. Man, you'll get to going and before you know it, the glory of the Lord will come down on you. And you'll be beside yourself and you will be almost like Paul. You won't know whether you're coming or going either, friend. Because God will manifest himself unto you and will show up in a way that only he can. I am persuaded tonight that we have it backwards. We're waiting on God to move and to answer a prayer before we can thank him. And all he's wanting us to do is make the commitment to thank him and love him whether we get what we're asking for or not. And most of the time, Brother Marvin, I find that when I do that, the Lord ends up showing up and giving me what I asked for anyway. But he's saying that the praise that you owe me is not contingent upon whether or not I give you what you're asking for. For I've already given you my son, my only begotten son. What more can he do that he's already done? What more can he say than he has already said? Friend, he's given us his only begotten son. Let's give him some praise. Let's give him some worship. Let's sing like we mean it. Let's love him tonight. Take it home with you. Apply it to your life and see if it doesn't help your joy. Sister, if you'll come to the piano tonight, every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around. If you need to do business with God, I want you to do business with God. Listen, are you lacking in your praise? Are you lacking in your worship? Are you lacking in telling him how good he is and how good he has been? Friend, is your prayer life mainly uh, just set up for the things that you desire and the things that you want and the things that you need? Or is your prayer life designed to praise him and thank him and magnify him for what he's done for you already? Listen, I'm going to pray. I've got to do some praying tonight. I'm going to have to get down here on this altar and tell God I'm sorry. And if you need to come tonight and you need to do business with God, this altar's open. You come. You talk to God. You tell him how you've lacked. You tell him how you've come short. And then you praise him and worship him for all that he is and all that he's done. If you need to come, you come while this altar's open.